Deadbeat mom and dad anthem. Oh, here she goes. Put that Deadbeat on blast. 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 What's their name? He trash. How much they owe? Ooh, that's bad. He sees kids? Ooh, that's sad. Put that Deadbeat on blast. You want him back? Nah, I pass. I want a check. Better, better take cash. He got the money, but the money won't last. Generational wealth my kids won't have. Blame it on the mama, cause I'm getting your bad. The truth is, you were a dad full of excuses. I raised these kids the whole time. You've been useless. Don't be mad at me. Be mad that you could do this. I raised them by myself. Single mom ain't got no help. I did my job now about myself. Yeah, and I'm gonna get mine. Every penny, nickel, and dime. Is it true? If it's the last thing I do, ooh, 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 ooh. So keep working at Nick, na, Nick, Nick, na, Nick, Nick, Nick. Hey, Karasa, Kuro, Suro, Siri, Ribiri, Kuro, Suro, Karasa, Ribiri, Titi, Kuro, Suhu, Kura, Ha, Ha, Sibi, Rasa, Rasa, Bendiki, T. Hey, Kuro, Suro, Suro, Kuro, say I receive it in Jesus' name. Wow. So it's the 25th anniversary of Good Burger. So I wanted to have a conversation about Nickelodeon in general. Um, and that was Kel Mitchell. I think he seems a little detached from reality. I'd rather talk to his ex-wife. Um, hey, Taisha. <laughs> hey, <laughs> how are you? And it's so nice to speak with you. Um, nice to talk to you too. And yes, thank you so much for joining us. People have been talking so much about Nickelodeon lately with Jeanette McCurdy's book coming out, Dan Schneider, Keenan and Cal, obviously. I'm so glad to have you. This is Taisha Hampton, author, director, actress, and also Cal Mitchell's ex-wife. Yeah, that is right. <laughs> Which I did get a chance to watch Ganked, and I thought it was awesome, <laughs> by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I you know, I, I had no idea that... Um, I just, I had no idea so many people, I completely forgot about it for a while. And then I was like, wait a second, a whole movie, I've got like some money coming in, I should, you know. Oh, that is a cult um, classic. Oh my gosh, thank you. You know, people have been telling me this and I was just like, and I didn't realize it until I looked at it. It's sold and it's still everywhere. So I'm so excited. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. And no, I really, um, I found you on TikTok and I found your story, which we'll get into so inspiring because, you know, you're an independent woman and so eye-opening to see that like anybody from any walk of life can be affected by um, toxic masculinity, I'll say you know, for legal yes, reasons. Yes. Um, yes. So, and I kind of want to explore that and like, do you want to tell us a little bit about your TikTok? Sure. Yeah. So my TikTok is basically dedicated to all men and women, specifically women. I cater more to women, but just anybody who's going through domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, anybody who's going through the court system, you know, it's difficult because you, you don't get to see all this craziness and stuff that people, you know, do on a regular basis. And so I wanted to shed a light on that. You know, I wanted to shed a light on just how all of this works. How does domestic violence work? How do the court systems help people that are doing domestic violence? You know, just all of this. And so that's kind of how and, you know, what I, how I created my account and what I dedicated my account to because I was just tired of it. I was just absolutely sick of it. And I'm just, you know, it's just 
comes to a point where it's like the only way in order to move forward just with anything in life is to speak your truth about it. There's no sense in shame. There's no sense in guilt. There's no sense in hiding because that's what so many people do. And because they don't talk about it and they don't tell people, you know, they don't show people what they're going through, then they have all sorts of problems and issues. And I'm like, you know what? No, I hid for so long. I did so many things for so long that I felt like I could have done differently. And I wanted to also let people know that, hey, you could do this. You could talk about it. You need to talk about it so that other people will know that, you know, you are not alone. I wanted to say, you know, a lot of people, because I do a nostalgia podcast, they always ask me like, oh, what is this person up to? What's that person up to? I interview a lot of old 90s celebrities, but Keenan and Kel is one that comes up a lot. And everybody knows it's very publicly out there that Keenan wants nothing to do with Kel. Um, and maybe you mm-hmm. can speak to that a little. And, you know, I saw your interview on, I think it was Days and Nights YouTube. I think that's what it was called. Um, and I'll link it on my Instagram so people can check them out and support them. But I I know you were talking about like a lot of money that he owed you and stuff like that. So you do want, do you want to shed some light on that? Yeah, definitely. So, well, there's a couple of things. So basically I've been going around telling people that, you know, that the show ended and that's why this doesn't happen and all these things, but those, that's just not the truth. The truth is, is that Kel never wanted to be a team with Keenan. That's just the truth. He just didn't like to be a team. So he wanted to separate himself from Keenan. So he was the one that decided that he wanted to end the show and, you know, not be on the show. And so that's what he decided to do. So, you know, the show had no choice but to end. That's insane creatively, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, there hasn't been a comedic duo in probably, I don't even know, so many years, number one, which I thought was incredible because we haven't seen it happening. So, I mean, there's just... So many um, comedic duos, and there really there hasn't been one, and there wasn't one, and so it was crazy to me that he would be like, you know, no, never mind, I don't want to do it. No, it's not it. You know, um, I, I want to separate myself, and I wanted to do new things because he really didn't have anything to, to like back himself up with. It was just he was just like, I'm just done. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be 40 years old on Nickelodeon. And then what happened anyway? Well, yeah, Um, Nickelodeon (laughs) has this huge history of hiring and supporting the careers of really just damaging people. But yeah, let's get into the money, right? Always follow the money. That's what they say. True, 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 true. So um, while, well, number one, before Kel and I had gotten together, I already had my own money. I had been doing acting since I was very young, like six or seven years old. My aunt was my manager. Um, so I had been saving money and my parents did very well for themselves. So they never went into my accounts or anything. So I had about half a million saved up. Uh, by the time we got married, my plan was to become a physicist. Um, <laughs> that was actually my plan. Uh, or a doctor something. I don't know. Anyway, I ended up not doing that. And um, well, actually, you know what happened? I'm going to go into the story while we're here. Um, so yes. my plan was to go to um, to college, and I had gotten into my first choice, Harvard, and I wanted to go to med school. Anyway, um, I was 17 when I graduated from high school, and I wanted to take a leap year. I don't even know. It's not called a leap year. It might be called something else. Something else, possibly. Anyway, I wanted to take a year off before I went to school to college because number one I was young my parents would have to sign everything 
So I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just gonna wait till I'm 18 and start college that way. They don't have to, you know, sign off for for me to do everything. So anyway, so I called the college and I was planning on traveling the world with one of my friends um, who's very wealthy. And <laughs> my parents are like, uh, yeah, no, you're not doing that. You're 17, you're going to college. So they actually called the college back and they said, oh no, God. I'm going in the fall. <laughs> Um, and so I said, oh my gosh, my parents are really controlling. So instead of listening to whatever they were talking about and going to college, I decided that I was going to get married. Um, so yeah, so the day I turned 18, uh, was the day I moved out and was like, I'm going to get married instead because my parents are so controlling. What I didn't realize is that, yeah, your parents are controlling because they want you to, you know, have the best life. But instead I married somebody else who was way more controlling than my parents and who didn't even have the best interest at heart. Yeah, so, you were married um, so young, so, so, so young. Yes, yes. I just turned 18, just turned 18. Um, and actually he proposed to me before I turned 18. So the year before I turned 18, he actually proposed. And then we got married when I turned 18. And... Um, the day that he proposed that they actually got pregnant and yeah I was so young I didn't even know and I went to Christian schools and Catholic schools so I didn't even know about sex ed I was very sheltered <laughs> um and some people are like that's the street but you're in the entertainment industry and it's like yeah but you know I think that when you have someone in the entertainment industry that's a manager someone especially that's related to you it's like you are off limits so a lot of the conversations and different things that I think a lot of uh, child actors are exposed to, I was not exposed to them as long as my aunt was there or, you know, different, as long as she was there, I really wasn't exposed to it. It wasn't until I was older, actually over 18, where um, I started being exposed to all the stuff that I'm sure she had hidden from me um, in the industry or that it, it wasn't as apparent um, to me when I was younger. Yeah, that seems to be the case, right? Like if these any kind of actor comes out on the other side with their sanity it's because they had like very present parents like very protective people in their life absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely um, and so um Kel and I once we had gotten together and got married anyway I realized that Kel was um getting ripped off by his uh, by Nickelodeon, really. Um, so on paper, he was making like six hundred thousand, but in reality, he was only getting about one hundred and fifty thousand. And I'm like, hey, this is not adding up. Uh, his mother was his manager. She was also siphoning and taking a lot of his money because we really didn't have any money. And I would always dip into my own personal savings and my own accounts to pay for things. And I'm just like, I don't understand this because what's going on? So anyway, we bought a house together. I had a my first child not too long after that and my second child after that and was terror almost died both times multiple c-sections and just yeah you had all like intense births I mean you had really high-risk pregnancies both times full Very. full on yeah yeah both times almost lost my life both times um multiple blood transfusions both times had to have my family members all these people donate blood um yeah it wasn't like you had your baby and life went back to normal it was like this is an ordeal like this is my life now yes yes it was and it was so funny because I remember after I had my son uh or before I had my son and the doctor's like well what do you want to do um everyone was basically trying to tell me like you know you should just abort because you're so sick that you know there's 
and you don't have enough blood really to even do the cesarean section. And we can't prep you for surgery. And they were like, uh, your blood counts, like, I don't know, I think it was like a five or six. And they're like, we can't even sedate you all the way because uh, if we sedate you too much, you can go into a coma. And my silly self, <laughs> when I think back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is so, that was such a crazy decision. Um, but, you know, I was like, yeah, no, I'm definitely, if, if, if God wants me to be pregnant and wanted me to have this baby, then that's what we're doing. And, you know, but when I, when I think back on it, it's just like, I just can't even believe that I would even have thought that, like, I would never want my own child to make that kind of decision because it was true. I mean, everybody was kind of telling me like, Hey, you're only 18, you can have more children, you know, like this just might not be the best thing for you, but I was very very sick i have um, sickle beta thalassemia which is similar to sickle cell so i'm always in and out the hospital um but mainly the causes of my flare-ups or when i get very sick are due to stress so actually before i had gotten married i had pretty much gotten it under control and then when i had gotten married and had babies it exacerbated it out of this world out of this world along with the stress and the craziness that kel brought into our marriage was just crazy like at that point, had the show ended? When, I'm trying to think. So when my son was born, um, my first child was born, the show was still going on. Even when I was pregnant with my second child, uh, the show was still going on. Oh, wow. So the show, yeah, so the show was going on for, um, the show ended, I can't remember the year, but basically they, they asked Kel, they were like, and Keenan, they were like, okay, we want to, you know, continue on the show. Um, they wanted them, they wanted some more money, which I think that they should have gotten. I think they were going to up it maybe by like 50 or some thousand, which I thought they should have gotten way more because they were the ones that actually were writing their own scripts, basically. So they'd wow. come in, they'd yeah. basically ad lib, you know, this like skeleton script and then they'd ad lib it. And then the writers the next day would write in all their ad libs. So it was like, they were writing all these, these, like they were kids, but they were like writing their own stuff. Um, even like the, all that skits, a lot of that was their own ideas and their own writing. And so, you know, that's just like, I was, I was in shock. I'm like, wow, they're writing their own stuff. And they, and they're like, well, we'll give you a writer's credit or we'll give you a producer's credit, but we won't pay you anything more for that. Knowing wow. that they weren't really paying them anyway. Right. Because in reality, <laughs> that 650000 whatever it was, because they, in their contract, they have written like, okay whatever extra stuff that we give you even if we don't tell you so for example like they put them into these like, very expensive condos that were five minutes away from the set they had um, cars taking them to and from the set they anytime they flew they flew first class and even though they were flying for press junkets this money would be taken out of their amounts for that it's a very Lou Pearlman situation <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it was horrible because they got paid, you know, basically 650000 for basically, I don't think it's like barely any royalties. And not only that, but they're doing two shows back to back. And then I think like Good Burger might have been even included in that. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if they got paid extra for Good Burger or not. I don't really remember. But it's almost like anything Nickelodeon does, like, and they did a whole bunch of other movies. Like, I don't even, I don't know if you remember any of the other, like, little long episodes that were also kind of like movies. Like, uh, there was one about, 
Halloween one, but they did all these little long episodes. Oh, that were also yes. Like yeah. Mini like movies. little specials. Yeah. Yeah. And so those were like, they filmed it like many movies. So they had no time off. And, you know, they could, they were just so cheap and just felt like they were being used. So I was in, you know, complete agreement with that. But I would ask him, I'm like, hey, you know, if they, even if they don't make you, if they, even if they give you producers credit, but they don't let you be producers, knowing what you know about Nickelodeon and how they operate, because they do, they use the same producers, they use the same people, they use the same writers. Like, you know, eventually, I'm sure they probably let you guys write your own show because that's just kind of how they work. Now, you know, we all know racism and everything exists like that. So maybe it wouldn't have happened. I don't know. Um, but Kel was just like, no, I'm tired of it. He's like, I'm sick of it. I don't want to be next to Keenan because I think because Keenan already had his fame first. Kel also wanted to switch the names of the show. Right. He wanted it to be like Kel and Keenan this time around, which they're like, well, that's the name of the show. Like all the merchandise says, you know, it's like, uh, oh my God. How do you, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like that's a lot of work for somebody to do when that's not the name of the show. And he's like, well, it's my name. Yeah. And actually, Keenan didn't even have a problem with it um honestly uh, it was just they were just like it's not possible it's not feasible because everything already you know it's already, already said and done like everything's already done with that so it's like you can't just start a whole brand new show with Kellen Keenan it's just dumb <laughs> yeah it seems like <laughs> once the not- show ended like his behavior became more and more and more unhinged yes yes well so I don't know well I when I when I start thinking about it I feel like I don't really know because because he was working so much and I would even though I was with him on set you know he's still not a regular human being on set so a lot of actors are still in their like character mode or in their presentation mode while they're on set um so we would just I he did not want me to go anywhere or work or do anything I was literally at the set with him the entire time like all day long for years and he and watched every single episode, watch it film, like be in his dressing room and just be at the set. Um, so he, even though in my brain, I'm thinking probably like, oh, this is, you know, who he is when he's not filming. The reality was, no, he was still Kel Kimball. He was still his, all that character. He was still the character that he portrayed um, in real life. Uh, I mean, on TV, but he was this person in real life. So we went home. It was very tired and, you know, just a very long, exhausting day. Plus, we had seen each other all damn day. I'm sorry if I'm cussing. We had no, seen that's each other okay. All day. Yeah, that's hard work. Get- it's hard work. I mean, <laughs> and they're, they're really um, talented actors, I would say. I don't think Kel is as talented as Kurt Cameron out here trying to be a pretend pastor, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. One of the most disturbing things to me that I learned about your story, and I don't know why this rattled me so much, but that he would come to class with you when you started college. Yes, 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 yes. So basically when his show was over, when he decided not to complete the show, of course the show had to end. And so I think he did maybe one or two other little films here and there. Actually, no, my film was going to did Mystery Men before after that. He did Rockin' Bullwinkle. I'm not sure. I can't remember the order of the movies. But anyway, he did do a couple of other movies. But then there was this long time where he was just, like, not doing anything. He literally could not get any, besides, like, raunchy, like, kind of raunchy stuff, um, he really couldn't get anything. And so I was telling him, I was like, you know, why don't you just go back to school and go to college? Because um, was, that was my plan, go out of school and college. So, um Cal at first was very hesitant and I'm just like well you know if you're not going to do acting and then at the time right after the show ended I actually wrote a sitcom for us to star in that got picked up 
and um and actually during that time too I wrote King but Kel was like um well he didn't he was he did not want me to go to college he was just like I don't want you to go to college um he started becoming very um because he was at home now a lot um he started just becoming crazy because like the clothing I would wear I've, I've always worn small little clothes I've always worn very high stilettos just I just like to dress like this um but anyway it was that was an issue like almost every well then thing you deserved it obviously if yeah. you're gonna draw. He's like, right he's like you know he's like you're you're gonna be to school to be a mathematician I was the vice president of the national society of black engineers like he's like you're surrounded by nothing but men and smart men intelligent and really, men yeah and that bothered him tremendously because he didn't even know what we were talking about like he was he went to school in Chicago I was a road scholar like um so I've always been in private school so when in college and, and I'm taking advanced math courses you know he didn't know what I was talking about so he and his brain thought that um I shouldn't go to school so then I'm like well just come with me to school then since you're not working just come in I was like I sat there with you you know um for all your shows just come with me so I when I said come with me I'm thinking that he's gonna like enroll uh <laughs> Right. Yeah. I didn't mean like come with me and like sit in my classes. So uh yeah, so he was like coming with me to school meant for him that he was gonna come with me to school and just like how I sat with him while he was doing his show, he was sitting with me inside my classes. And um (laughs) I was actually honestly I, I didn't even see a problem with it. I was just like, oh hey and some of my friends, you know, just can't ever listen to young girls that are your friends because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and so my friends were like, no, that's so beautiful. He always wants to be around you. And then after a while, I'm just like, gosh, he always wants to be, but he, the problem is if I go anywhere, if I go to the market, if I go anywhere um, where he's not, I'm cheating. I'm doing this. I just think the, the questions would go crazy. So honestly, it was easier for him to be with me at school instead of me going to class and coming back and him asking me millions of questions about specifics on who I talked to and what the conversation was. So like, hey, you know, it's easier just to, hey, I don't have to answer these questions. You just come to school with me. Um, and yeah, it was so sad because I had a teacher, a male teacher specifically, and he barely even spoke English. And he was just like, your husband cannot come with you this is not okay this is abuse this is he's like this is domestic violence he's like um the the only way that you can come to college if your husband comes with you it's Mm. like that's abuse and that's control and and then it started to click and I'm like oh my so he actually kicked my husband out of the class and he's like you can't do this do not come to any more classes with her he basically basically told him it was about you know the regulations and the fact that he's basically Mm -hmm. taking all of my upper division college courses and college courses and he doesn't even meet any of the prerequisites so um I enrolled him in school in college and um I don't know I think he wanted to take French or something but he just basically enrolled in all the classes that were adjacent to mine or that were next to mine or met at the same time. Um, so unnerving and like girls, please red flags. Like these are the red flags that you should be watching out for. And I, I watched a lot of lifetime movies growing up, so I don't know really how I ended up like this, but I did. So, you know, (laughs) red flags people. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and you know what? And people, I think sometimes, um, we think like, 
if we're hypervigilant, if we have both parents in our home, if we come from a loving environment, that this won't happen. But I, especially I, I started a nonprofit about, uh, gosh, it's been about 10 years, about 10 years ago. And I work with women who have been abused and who have been in domestic violence situations. And even without domestic violence, as far as physical abuse, just all the rest of it, the mental, emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Every, I'm going to say about 90% of the cases, the women had great family upbringing, had wonderful dads, had, because like when you get involved with a narcissist, it feels so wonderful. Their love bombing is out of control. The fact that they are constantly want you and want your attention feels good until you realize how toxic that is and that that person can't even keep it up you know even there are times that he needed space obviously um we both needed space but because he was so afraid it would become that's when the violence started that's when you know different things would escalate because like we're around each other way too much and um he could not control you know he just couldn't control it and then you know it also screws you up too because then I start thinking that this is normal behavior and I remember one time Kel actually when we were dating Kel had printed out and I didn't even give him so I had auditioned for the show or maybe it was not my audition for the show maybe it was the audition for Good Burger and he took my um my headshot and he, I'm guessing he had the people that are on the set create wallpaper. So when I came into his bedroom, my face, my headshot was all over his walls, including like a vaulted ceiling. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. And I remember calling my friends and they were like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, what? this seems obsessive. Yeah, they thought it was so they were, Yeah, they thought it was great. They were like, my boyfriend doesn't even want me to have a boyfriend. Like, he doesn't even want me to call him boyfriend. Um, and a lot of other girls were like, you know, that's so cool because he's famous and he wants to claim you. And, you know, he loves you so much that he wants to see you as mm-hmm. a wallpaper. And so I made him take it down immediately because I thought it was creepy. <laughs> I thought it was That's so really creepy. Weird. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> I did not like it at all. So he removed it, but you know. Well, that's, that's not. Creepy. That's funny you say that. That's not the first time I've heard something super creepy about him. Actually, from his own mouth, he did this interview where he said that he printed out pictures of your family and prayed over them um to sweep uh, them yeah. to him and it was just so unnerving and I'm like why are you doing voodoo yeah. what is going yeah, on that's here? what it is yeah he he would tell me that he was not doing I mean there were times in our marriage I didn't even know he knew how to draw a circle or to put a pentagram in it I didn't even know he could make a pentagram I didn't even know he knew what a pentagram was but one day I came home sitting in the middle of the circle he was sitting in the middle of a pentagram um, with my toothbrush and uh, with a candle and he was chanting when I was coming in to the house so but yeah he swore up and down it was not voodoo um and I've been contacted by his family members and they're like yeah no how the family does voodoo and they have and I've heard of them doing different things to try mm-hmm. to make sure that your life is miserable because he really hates you. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is and so just crazy. for anybody at home thinking like that, you guys are full of shit. You can literally, um, you know, the chick from Big Bang Theory, Mayam, I think her name is. She has a podcast. Um, it's really great. She's a scientist, a doctor. 
Um, and she interviewed Cal and he was in preacher mode and he told her a whole story about how he was talking in tongues. He got a several demons exercised from his body and they all appeared before him and spoke to him. And he had a exorcism and all this happened to him. Wow. So, you know, that's, he's put that out there. So, you know, we're not, she's not making any of this up. Like it's not crazy. Like literally he pulled a Kurt Cameron, but Kurt Cameron, I do believe is genuine. I really don't think this comes from a place of being genuine. I think it comes from a place of like rebranding and trying to just basically shut the door on your past and not take accountability. Yes, yes, because I think he'll realize that, you know, he's not going to be, um, he's not as funny anymore. You know, it's, it was funny when he was a kid following the floor and doing all that, but that was when he was in the duo. Now he's got to try to make a whole new personality and a whole new person. And, you know, he's not big and strong. He's not, you know, it's like Kevin, like there's all these places in Hollywood. They don't really allow too many people of color to be, you know, they're like, you know, they kind of sprinkle you around. So Hell already had his place there, and I think he understands now that he screwed that up when he decided not to continue with Keenan and Kel. And so, what's the next best thing that this person can do? Aha! And still make money, and still be famous, and have people worship and adore you. What is better than that? Be a pastor. Like, that is the perfect. And this was something actually that I had suggested when we were dating, when when we were married, when he didn't have any money. I'm like, you know, yeah, you should probably look into that. Should you should definitely because my dad always used to say that pastors and pimps are the same people, um, and you can't ever trust a pastor. And you know, pastors are actors, and it all made sense to me. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> you should, yeah, you should go into that. And this is why we were married. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah, probably should look into that. Of course, he couldn't look into it at that time because I was not going to seminary with him. I don't even know if he even went to seminary. <laughs> I think he did. I think no. he did. I don't know. I don't know what kind of pastor he is, but I don't know. No, but then, then you basically forced him to suicide um, <laughs> is what he's put out in the public. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. And this suicide thing, and, um, you know, anybody that's listening to if you ever have a guy, and I, I feel like guys come in a lot of different, like, you know, the, they come in different categories. You got the really strong, fine guy that's just fine and strong, right? And all the women want him. So that's kind of like his thing. And then sometimes you have the guys that don't really have a thing. Like, I think Kel's thing is comedy, but that only goes so far. He's short, you know, he's kind of awkward. Um, he doesn't really fit into any kind of genre or anything because he, I don't think he has personality. I think he just recreates himself based off of personalities of people that he likes. Um, so his thing is sympathy. And I see this all the time. Like that is like a pattern. So if a guy is coming to you and, you know, he's trying to basically get your attention or, you know, through sympathy, then that is a huge red flag, huge red flag. Right. It's like um, emotional think, blackmail, right? Yes, 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 yes. Because, and then it would go through stages. It would go through stages. You know, it'd be like, I'm, you know, guys may try to hit on you and you might tell them whatever you want to tell them. And then they might get angry. And then maybe that anger turns to bitterness and like, oh, forget you. I don't like you anyway. You know, this is like, we're like in junior high school, but seriously, men still have these same junior no, high school yeah, traits this is... because this is how they get working. Yeah. This is like their MO. <laughs> yeah. So then after that, after that doesn't work and they can't, you know, and they're, and they're not very strong, right? Like I said. And so then, especially if they're shorter and they really don't, not sure what to do, then he might try to say, okay, well, you, 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 you don't look good or, 
Kel told me that um, I had this tooth that was crooked and he told me that um, that's his game. His game was to basically insult you because it will have you thinking about him. Like, why would this person insult me? He's not even like that good looking. And it'll make you start thinking about that person differently. And, and, and that's exactly what happened because nobody had ever insulted me. And I don't know why I would have thought that that's a good idea. And I said, hey, yeah, give me my phone number. Give you my, give you my number now after you just told me that you know, mm-hmm. this well, it was how he did it. He was like, you know, this tooth of yours, it's so beautiful, blah, 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 blah. I love it. It brings character. But in reality, he was like, no, he was like, no, I just thought it was ugly. And what you do to pretty women in order to get pretty women is that you pick out the most terrible thing on them and then you say that you like it. And I was like, wow. So messed up, but it's so true. So true. Yeah. So true. It's psycho, psych 101. Mm-hmm. Um, you insult. Yeah. So at, when I first started watching your content, I was like, okay, wow, this is really inspiring. You've actually been helping me a lot personally with my own issues I'm going through with domestic stuff. And um, then, of course, everybody that listens to my podcast knows I'm obsessed with a good church money tax situation. I love that, especially if the messed up California court system. Um, and so this story really has all of those elements. Kel's like currently working for a church that he jokes about the choir director being a former employee of R. Kelly. And... It's really bizarre because he owes you a lot of money. And I just wonder with him and his wife working at this church and that being their like main source of income, where's the money? Yeah, well, no, um, thank God. Well, no, not thank God because I'm tired of this lawsuit, but thank God I'm still in this lawsuit and I'm able to track the money because his wife is very smart and she's really smart and she puts everything in her name. And so she provided everything to the court about the bank statement. So he's making over $660,000 a year tax-free. Uh, my silly self showed him how to incorporate and how to get around taxes, which bit me in the butt. But um, <laughs> so when you incorporate yourself, then that removes your social security number and therefore you're, you know, separate entire entity and they're not able to collect the funds. Well, for all these years, and Kel's owes me over $3 million now because I was giving him a break. I wasn't even going to go after the rest of the money that he owed me. But once I realized how much money he had been making for the past five years, and he does make, I think he makes around six or 7000 just being a pastor. And so I don't even know what it is now because I feel like the church is basically his church now. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be moving to this being his entire church. So I'm not sure how much money he's going to be making there. <laughs> Cult. Um, but yeah. Cult. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's so difficult to actually, you know, it will be difficult to try to trace that amount down the line, which is why I'm like, I have to go after everything now because, you know, the longer that he gets away with it, then the the more he's going to just hide it, the more they're going to do deceitful things, the more. So yeah, trying to track down the money is easy, thank God, because he's got this wife who's so smart. She's a genius. Um, and, um, <laughs> she's got everything written down and itemized and, uh, yeah, and she puts everything in her name. Um, I think that she, she thought but that by doing that, <laughs> that she was protecting it, but I think that she's got one up on Kelly because she's putting everything in her account so she could basically handle all the money, including like spending like mm-hmm. 15, um, 15 and $20,000 for baby pictures instead of paying for my kids' college. And, I mean, uh, how much but, would yeah. you say Cal paid child support? 
<laughs> Kel never gave me anything for child support at all. He never paid not a dime, not for child support, not for spousal support, not for selling the house. He's never gave it, given me a dime. He has, according to his documents, but not to my children, he gave them over $2 million. Okay. <laughs> there were times um, when I had a, a child support case with the, Depart- with the Department of Children and Family Services where I think they had intercepted actually a good a good chunk of the money that they were taking like residuals and different things were coming in and they were kind of intercepting it here and there but during this time I was on government assistance I was on welfare and even though I never signed a paper or I never signed a document and actually I'm going to be going through that on my uh posting more about this but basically when you sign up for welfare they want you to, or they require you to sign away your rights to your child support. But at the time, because I read every single thing I've ever, I ever signed, please, if you sign anything, read everything. Cause you can always scratch stuff out. If you feel that you have to sign it and you feel like you're under duress, you can put UD after you sign. You could put two dots and a line under it after you sign. These are just things to let people know that you're under direct, under direct meaning that you don't okay. want to sign it. You don't understand what you're signing. And this is for any single document. It actually invalidates the entire document and invalidates the entire document. Um, so just, you know, please, yeah, if you guys are See, listening and if there's ever a document you don't want to sign, I don't care what it is, um, you can always do, do UD think of it as under duress it does not mean under duress it's some latin word but i just think of it as under duress and uh two dots with a line underneath um you could also put i don't want to sign but you can sign that in cursive you could put i decline to sign you could sign that in cursive anyway for my document i put i decline to sign because i'm like no there's no way because i had a child support order that was like three thousand dollars per month and i'm like no i'm not going to allow i'm only getting nine hundred dollars a month from the state california why would i forego three thousand dollars if Kel pays it right but anyway yep. so they took a they took a large chunk so they took around about 120,000 and I'm working with um, their bond insurance to get it back because oh that God. was illegal that's um, insane the California courts like, are literally insane yeah yeah and but almost every single state has this thing where and this is I think the primary reason why men don't ever get anything from the state is because they want women to sign this document that says that they will, they can recoup the child support while they are getting welfare, which is Correct. the state double dipping. And that's completely illegal too. So like so many systems help each other. Mm-hmm. So you, so you open, you open a child support case, which is a quasi court. It's not really a court. Honestly, anything that happens really in family court or child support court, that's why they're like Mickey Mouse courts. That's why they can get away with all this stuff because it's not even a real court system. It's a quasi court system. Exactly. Sometimes they don't even have actual judges. It's it's literally insane. And I think it's important to talk about the child support because so many women are afraid to even or don't even bother to try to get help because from from the government for that reason or from the ex because they're an abuser right so what kind of situation are we leaving single mothers in like this is not okay destitute yeah Yeah. destitute that destitute there's a huge you know i know some people are like they don't believe in conspiracy whatever but there's a huge conspiracy against women and it must have started from the, the inception of propaganda and everything else with the baby dolls and the toys that you know doesn't make sense to any to, to me specifically 
that little boys get to play with little fake G.I. Joe figures and girls section is filled with domesticated um, duty toys. Like that shouldn't be fun for anybody. I don't know why Mattel or anybody else would create toys that specifically designed for you to be in a subservient home mom role model. Like mm-hmm. they're so sick of women and the fact that women didn't do what they wanted them to do that they created a whole industry that will groom <laughs> the younger women to be the perfect wives and then they show these women on tv being the perfect mothers and these people don't exist in life in reality nobody's these perfect nobody no mom is like this no nobody's like this. taisha you're not being a very good stepford wife right now right yeah yeah oh yeah this is how oh they love that you know that's that you know it's so funny because that is exactly who I think my ex wanted me to be he wanted me to be this nice you know that's his wife that she's gonna listen to him and do whatever he tells me to do and you know yeah and I mean I'm probably gonna get some shit for even doing this episode but it is kind of just a backlash to this like keep sweet culture where they expect to just kind of trample over women forever and ever yep and it's like you guys you know if Nickelodeon can hold space for people like Marty Weiss um Brian Peck like people that are literally child like convicted child predators um then we can hold space for women to talk about our stories yes we can and I think that like Jeanette McCurdy is going to have a lot of backlash from her book that's coming out Oh, I'm sure she is. I'm sure she is. People are going to be very mad and um, people are going to be upset and they're going to be mad about it. And they're going to be mad about, you know, honestly, anytime a woman opens her mouth, people are mad. How have you dealt with a lot of like the backlash from speaking out about um, all of this? Uh, You know, I just, as much as I can, I will try to address it because I think sometimes it's ignorance. Um, And so I try to educate as much as possible because sometimes I think it's just, so widely accepted and widely known that we accept it for so many years and even women like so many women will be you know like I'm gonna call them the picnic kind but they're just like yeah whatever a guy says is cool you know and and I have and I have to admit it to it I can remember being brainwashed like that I remember I remember having those same thoughts about women like oh man you know like this entire world where we live in it's like having a man is everything and that idea is not something that we ordinary I don't think we just came up with this idea like I don't think it's just the fact that it's just everywhere having a man being married having children is like gold right like our gold rush or something we're supposed to do with our lives (laughs) yeah it didn't start us out for so young doing this so it's like we're just we're groomed into it and we're brainwashed into it and then when we, when we don't like it or if it doesn't work out it's our fault too it's like wait this can't be all all of our fault every single thing it's like women get blamed for everything so I was used to it I've been defending it my entire life just because I got degrees in math and engineering um, and so I've been in male-dominated fields my entire life I also was a tomboy um, my dad uh, and parents have a construction company so growing up I put in drywall I I, I can put in carpet <laughs> I was a project manager and so I'm used to dealing with men and their egos I've dealt with that my entire life so yeah. I was used to it I'm I just haven't been used to it from women I did that was the part that has kind of been like oh my god yeah it cuts so a little deeper right <laughs> 
It does. It does. But then it just makes me sad because I'm like, wow, I was probably like this too. I probably was like this. If I hadn't experienced everything that I had experienced in all of these systems and in this divorce with Cal, um, I, maybe I would, maybe I would still be in this delusion um, that women have some sort of empowerment and that we're, you know, yeah I mean that's one thing if you choose to be single actually single moms get more sleep that's a study I recently read and I was very happy to hear that but like abandoning your family is financial abuse absolutely but I will say this is that if and and only you as a woman know this only you would know what kind of like I, I I knew it was hell like I knew it which is why I try to stay it as long as possible because I knew, I knew that he would get like this. Like, you know, you, you can kind of feel it. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to be hell. This man is going to, this is going to be hell. So what I wanted to do was just, once Kel filed the divorce and did all this stuff, and once I got my kids back, I actually wanted to just go to a whole other country. And um, I was, I was going to go back to medical school and I was going to do it that way. But everybody's like, no, 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 just stay. And gosh, darn, I wish I would have done that because really when your kids are younger and when you're younger too and you have more energy and before the court system like drags you through the mud and before all these people are like questioning every single thing you do and before it's not fair just take your kids and go because I honestly feel like it's so much easier having a life without these crazy people in it because it's gonna make you crazy that they're making their children crazy like that's gonna make you crazier so sad. <laughs> and the fact that they're doing everything in their power to make sure you don't have anything so you know out of sight out of mind I think it's the mm-hmm. best thing and there's so many great there's like so many guys too you know you, you can't even get in the headspace to date again to even explore any kind of options like that while you're going through this kind of court stuff and a huge court date um and when they're narcissists they'll never let it go like never and you could keep going back into court every single like I said I was I was in court I've been in court probably every two days um every couple of days for the past 10 years sometimes it's custody sometimes it's stuff with the house sometimes it's back child the last 10 years have all been back child support and him trying to undo the three years so for we, we had three trials. Each trial took almost a year. So after the end of the three trials, I won everything and I got the family law judgment and I won everything. And so Kel wanted to undo that. So he came back in and was like, I want custody. Then we had to go through family law uh, custody evaluation. And then we had to go through re- reunification therapy. And then after that ended, he was gone. He stopped child support. He stopped spousal support. But then he pops back up and was like, hey, actually, I was in another terrible domestic violence relationship and I got the kids removed from me and what what is what is my crazy second ex do he calls the first ex and it's like hey guy you want to see your kids here they are they're in DCFS now and of course they Kel is now has a whole nother audience and he's like yeah she 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 um I didn't see my kids, not because I didn't want to be there, but because she alienated me from my kids. And that's what happened. And so then he had a whole nother audience to tell the lies to, and they believed it because unfortunately men are believed by women, by especially if they're famous and they can pretend like they're this saint. Oh my goodness. Now like everything, so many different things, all these systems, how this system works and how everything operates is, if you think that people are going to help you, which I thought, you know, they were, I thought mm-hmm. they would see the evidence and they would be on my side based on all of these things. I mean, there was 
domestic violence. I've called the police so many times. And you think all of these things make logical sense to you. You think that, you know, you're going to get everything that you need to get. And that does not happen. So you basically kind of waited until your kids were old enough really to have a say in it too, to be able to to kind of do something. I had to think about it because Kel went around telling people all these lies. He told people just all kind of crazy stuff. And um, I had to think about it. I was like, you know what? My kids, I had to change their names. I had to change my name um, because of everything that he was doing online. And so while he was just lying and lying and lying and lying and lying, I was like, you know what? It's better for me to just leave it alone because you know what? He's not in their lives. So I, it's only me. So I, I want to try to make their childhood the best possible childhood that I could make. Um, without any money, with I, it, like the money that I had, spending it every single dime on attorney's fees, and spending every single dime on just everything that was not not even for me, not for my kids, um, for, but for some decisions, which sucks. Like sucks so terrible because like you're left as a mom to not only take care of the kids, but then to pick up the pieces of the stuff that they cost, and not only that, but then to pick up the pieces of your own kids' hearts and you know, talking to them about why their dad's not around and you have to deal with all that stuff without any money, without any resources. And if it weren't for the fact that I had money and that my parents had money, I would be, I would have been homeless. He wouldn't have never known where his kids were. He wouldn't even have known if his kids were alive, um, which is sad because, you know, you don't, you don't get to do that. You don't get to ruin people and kids and pretend like, you know, they're such great kids because of anything that you did know, you intentionally you know try to make their life miserable intentionally like that is horrible that is horrible horrible I don't um, understand the fact that they get away with it is terrible too yeah yeah they get away with it and also I mean it's very common and uh, you know, I don't understand why Nickelodeon just loves to support people like this. That's, you know, with that new book coming out. I mean, do you think there's any truth to all the stuff Jeanette McCurdy saying about the weird shit going on behind the scenes at Nickelodeon? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I haven't read her entire book at all. I haven't read her book, um, but I definitely am looking forward to reading it. But definitely, I, I, I don't, the thing is, is that when people come out, and I, I honestly don't know of any stories, maybe you've known of some, but I don't know of any people that, that would come out and say all these things and have them not be true. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense because it's kind of like, so a person who writes an entire book that's a tell-all, that's telling lies, like that just sounds ridiculous, especially if they went through it, especially if they were there, like what would be the point in telling stuff that didn't exist because not only that but it's like there's other people there you know she's on an entire show with other people (laughs) so somebody would have or would be able to say well that didn't happen like that you know like just like when anytime Kel goes around he's like oh my gosh the show ended like dude like the show just didn't end so I don't know maybe you know the producers aren't probably like they don't care they're not worried about Kel but it's just like you know if if she was not telling the truth about this somebody would have read her book and been like this didn't happen because mm-hmm. your life or your story doesn't just involve you you know there's incidences there's all sorts of people around so it's like I I believe what anybody says it's like who are we to even 
question or to judge what they're talking about because unless we were there and we, we know that it didn't happen but yeah I believe everybody everything anybody says because I'm like why say it I, I really ha- I really don't know of any stories of people who made up an entire false narrative about things that forbid things and events that they witnessed like I just I, I just find that hard to believe or very difficult to believe and I, I feel like the only time they do that is when someone is actually telling the truth <laughs> because yeah. they're trying so hard to get you know, people to cover it up and they're the way that they cover it up is they just don't make any sense about it, about it doesn't make sense like their reasoning or they put so much like effort into hiding it and to like making a joke out of it it's just like this doesn't make sense it wouldn't make sense why would you need to come out with a book like Nick Cannon you know? like Nick Cannon trying to joke about yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know if people have seen that video but I'll definitely post it yeah, it's horrible. And yeah, I mean, I just find it all so creepy, just the timing. I've watched a lot of Kel's stand up and it's all revolving around like sexual assault. And it's so bizarre. It just gives me the creeps. Um, I mean, and you guys can look all this stuff up on your own too. And you can even go to Taisha's um, TikTok and you can see all of the court documents. Like this is all stuff that you can definitely look up on your own. Like I'm going to play a small clip of him doing stand-up <laughs> that I find a little off-putting. All right, well, you know, me and my wife, we on a uh, year two and a half right now. Year two and a half. You know what I mean? I love my wife. I wish I could have met her like, you know, when I was a kid. So, you know, I ain't have to go through all the ratchet relationships that I went through. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wish I could just met her when I was a kid, but see, the thing is, is that my wife is six years younger than me, so I don't think it would have worked out. I mean, you know, I'm 35, she's 29, but back when I was 16, she would have been just making 10. <laughs> so I would have been like at prime with a 10-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like, work a little girl, get a little girl, get it. like that doesn't land that's fucking creepy <laughs> right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and you know like why why would any of this be comedy like I don't even know why this is funny to anybody I don't know why anybody's laughing at that show. I don't know it's just very sick and very weird and all of the stand-up is like show. that like that's totally googleable you guys and um, there's like this rumor, this like infamous rumor that he did a stand up for SNL to audition the same time that Keenan did, but he did a bit about was it Bill Cosby being a pedophile yep. and Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson and they hated it. Horrible. Terrible. Ugh. Terrible. Like what is going on there? I don't know. And I don't want to like put him in this box of like like at first glance it's deadbeat dad but then it's like well you've got this really sketchy church connection you're name dropping r kelly you're making essay jokes you know working with a network that really supports a pedophile culture sorry allegedly you know in my opinion and it's just like a perfect storm of creepiness i in my opinion and as the great troy mcgeady would say he's rotted yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah you know if you think that you know but that you're helping yourself you're helping other people by being quiet about whatever it is that you're going through you're, you're not helping anybody all you're doing mm-hmm. is you're allowing it to continue if you know people that are going through issues like that and you're not you know just 
please speak out about it because there's somebody that really could use some help. And you have no, I'm sure people had no idea that I was getting physically abused by Chell. Nobody knew this. Um, and if something were to have happened to me, then, you know, the story would be, oh, I was crazy. I committed suicide, something like along those lines, which just happens all the time. So many women. And this, so, I mean, could you just, if you could just imagine how many women have lost their lives to domestic violence through suicide. Um, and it's so sad because, you know, it's just, it's, it's horrible. And so it is everything. It's like, it has to stop. Like in order for us as women to just even get further on in life, we need to stop pretending like this doesn't exist and that this is not happening. Um, so now I just call it out everywhere I am. I don't care at the grocery store if a guy cuts in front of me or acts like he doesn't see me or I'm invisible. I just scream it out because I'm tired of it, sick of it. And I think the more that we shed light on it and the more that we realize that this is how often it happens, then the better off we're going to be as a society. I have daughters, you know, I don't want my daughters to have to go through what I went through and to not get any help at all. When this society tells you to get help, ask for help, but nobody gives it to you. It's like, yeah, only ask for help if you're a man. Um, it's crazy. So, you know, I think we have to do our part together and to come into unison because we have to move forward as a society and you can't hold back women. It's like, that's not part of it. That's not going to help us as a society grow and, you know, develop and learn. We can't do it. We can't, can't continue this. Yeah. People won't ever come to justice either. Like Kel would never get, if I would just be quiet and let him just get away with it, he would just get away with it not pay me anything, go into court, not do anything. And this has to stop. It has to end. And narcs hate public humiliation. Narcs hate it when you talk about them in a disparaging light. They hate it. Oh, Kel hates it right now. But the reality is, stop doing it. You know, that's the only way they'll stop doing it is if it's uh, shown what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, if he's a changed man and he's not allegedly doing something sketchy with this allegedly sketchy church, then he should just pay some of his back child support and maybe call it a day. Um, I would love that for him because in online, a lot of the time I see people that'll be like, oh, why don't they get rid of these Hollywood pedophiles? And it's like abuse happens everywhere. And it, it is important, you know, to speak out about it. It's so scary. And it's scary as women that you even have to strategize the way that you go about getting help because it can be dangerous. Um, so I think your TikTok is a really important resource because you've got so much information on there, you know, not just about this, but about getting different types of help and everything like that. What do you think is like next in this journey? Just putting out my book, finishing up this court case and um, creating my YouTube account so that I can just help as many women as I can. There's so many different things that you can do to have some books and some tutorials on how to do this stuff yourself because unfortunately a lot of these narcs get narc attorneys and they'll just, just screw you over. So you want to take mm -hmm. it out of court as much as possible. You want to be able to file documents and stuff on your own and to not deal with the attorneys because the judges actually have a responsibility to explain to you how to do the process and then that's going to be better for you because like I said usually the people like Kel would rather I would not Kel would rather spend $20,000 a month on, on an attorney I do not I do not want to spend that um, nor do I want him to spend that because that's just my kids money right so, exactly you know, I mean that's it's just money gone right. to the system yes exactly 
And right now, are you guys currently in court for the back child support? Yeah, he's basically trying to get the entire three years of the trial thrown out of court. And he wants the court to say that he doesn't owe me anything. So he wants the court to say, even though he didn't say anything, even though he didn't satisfy any sort of obligation, and, you know, to even have a judge who's a woman, even um, for the past three years, um, allow this to even, you know, it's just, it's insane. For the past three years to have a judge look at my court case and say, yeah, we're going to still allow this man to come into court and to constantly bring you in every couple of days and say that he doesn't owe you this money without one shred of evidence that he has paid you anything because the law in California is he has to pay me directly. So if he hasn't given me any money, nor has he shown the court that he's given me anything at all, for them to even continue on this charade, it just, it just shows you, you know, that this is a system that is for those who have money. And his, he was paying my attorney. So I found out that my attorney and his attorney were in cahoots, along obviously with the judge. They're all in cahoots and they're just all padding their pockets until mm-hmm. Kel runs out of money. If anybody does like, no, I'm stopping the bleeding. Yeah, like if you guys don't believe this, just see you know, Britney Spears being trafficked, human trafficked for the last 10 years. Like this is literally what the court system does. You can go to Emily D. Baker on YouTube. She's a legal analyst. She was a former district attorney um in California for you know 10 years. She breaks down the entire Britney case. And I think it's a exact example of what's going on with you. Um, as far as like like you said, them basically just lining their pockets and keeping things going and going and going in court. And so I think that's a really good like warning that you give to people. Just like know what you're prepared for because like be prepared because you're going in for a long, crazy battle. Yeah. And you want to end it as soon as possible. So you like, you know, and, I, I, I don't, and when I say end it, I don't mean settle. I do not mean settle. I mean, hopefully on my website up, but you want to go in and you want to make sure that you understand all the laws. And the laws that you don't understand, you want to do all this yourself because they, they won't have a reason to elongate your case. The judge will actually have no choice but to follow the law because there can't be any side deals happening. And that's where all the money goes and that's where all the time goes. It's all these side deals that the attorneys are making, that the judges are making with the attorneys. They all know each other. They were all judges were also practicing attorneys. And so, you know, I, I, I would, like I said, I, w- I would say state. I would say once you get your um, child support order or your spouse support order or whatever orders you need to get through the courts that, you know, this is how much they need to pay. Once that's over with, then you really, there's no really no need to go back and forth from court. If the person that you're with does, you know, feed the child on a regular basis and you're able to have a, you know, great communication with them, then that's awesome. But if you already know that the kind of person that you're with, this is not going to happen and they're going to damage the child because these narcs also gaslight their children. They love bomb their children. They do exactly the same thing that they did to you in your relationship. And they also try to turn your own children against you by telling them all sorts of nasty things. Or, and this can go on until your child is 18. And so, you know, honestly, I feel like the best thing that you can do in that situation is to protect your child and your sanity and your money because, you know, at the end of the day, they probably won't have it either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. They'll they'll, they'll rather spend it on an attorney. Like as much money as my ex is paying his attorney, he could have been just paying me back child support that he is. But they won't, you know, if you have one of these kind, they're not going to do it. Like you have to get into your brain that this is never going to happen. Kel's never going to take accountability. There were times where um, like 
this is just even like Kel's hand obviously wasn't really in a cookie jar, but there would be times when Kel was completely caught, like with the pentagram in the circle, like he's in the circle, he's in the pentagram, there's a candle, he has my toothbrush. He looked me straight up and down and said, it was not a pentagram. So they can have their hands in a cookie jar. They can have crumbs all over their bodies. You could see, you know, bits of cookies in their teeth and they will be like, didn't have cookies at all today. I will give you all sorts of reason as to why. I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, I bet my carb intake for the day. <laughs> we don't even have cookies in the house. And you're like, wait, what? And they will do this. And, you know, they wear you down so much. And so you're just like, okay, fine. You didn't have cookies. And this is what they'll do to your kids while they're young, while they're impressionable. Mm-hmm. Um, they also pick one child. If you have more than one child, mm-hmm. then they'll pick a token one that they'll create to be the narcissist. That goes along with whatever they say. That child will cause you hell as an adult. <laughs> so, a lot of children jealousy. won't listen to you any longer. Yeah, your children, and like, I can't even tell you, like, I'm just trying to get my kids. The times that he did see them um, for extended periods of time, my kids would come back with all these questions as to what their dad had told them about me. That wasn't true. So, you know, it's, this is abuse and the courts, because they're ran primarily by men, because men stick together. Uh, I'm going to say, I, I think, I believe way more than women, even on, I'm not going to stick together with a woman who abuses her kids. I don't care. Like, but men will stick together with each other. And this is how the system works. The police system, lots of domestic violence, lots of financial abuse, lots of control. All of these systems work together to help and promote men to control women. And so, you know, just, you want to stay out of them as much as possible so that you can raise your kids without any unnecessary crap, if possible. But if you do go to court, get the, you know, the, the child support, family support order, get that order. And then if I were you, if, if dad's not consistent, take your kids and go. The child support order, once it's filed and once it's on the books, never goes away unless they go into court to contest it. Um, but uh, if there's domestic violence, if there's, you know, you don't feel safe, you could always undo it. Like, you could always come back to court. The thing that um, I would hope for women, and I, you know, when I think back about it, like, what, if there's anything that I could do differently, I try not to do this because obviously you can't go back in time and you can't change the past. So I think about this not for myself, but for other people. That time that you have with your children, you can't ever get that back. Like that to me is the hardest part of this entire situation. The part that I'm still, sometimes people see from my TikToks and like, yeah, you're, you're mad, you're bitter. Well, I am, I'm, I'm angry. I'm not bitter. I'm angry and I'm mad because I actually want it to be a mom. I want it to be the best mom possible. I want it to be a very good mom. You can't get that time back. You, can, I, you know, I had to miss, you know, so many of their events going to court. I had to miss so many of their events in a trial. I had to miss teachers meetings and I had just raising my children, like just being a present mom. Like I missed out on being a present mom because of all this other stuff. And I said, you know, if I could do anything differently, I would just say F the court case and all this other stuff and just take my kids and go and actually be able to be a present mom because that's time you can never get back. You can always get money back can always get money back time no watching your children grow up and learning and you know counting their teeth and 
the first haircuts and the pictures and just the memories and the experiences you can't ever get that back ever get that back like I went on and my oldest son didn't even get to go because by this time he was working but like I had um gotten some money out of Kill's account I think it was like around about 60,000 anyway my attorney got 40,000 I ended up getting 20,000 and I took my kids on a four-month vacation my oldest son couldn't go but it's like you know it's like these things the part of being a mom and the part of their childhood you can never get that back can never get that back so if if you can put all of your emotions and everything out and decide like you know what forget this I'm just gonna love my kids and raise my kids and it's better to do that by yourself with no other no other involvement that mm-hmm. way you can you know raise them the way that you want to but so then when you get older then you can come back you know to come back to that but yeah that's the hardest part. that's why so I'm pissed off because it's like you know your kids only have a short time to kid and why did you mess that up on purpose yeah that. I know it's and I'm so sorry you had to go through that and I mean I'm going through it too and it's like but I appreciate the advice because it's true and like my kids are starting school tomorrow and I'm just like god this is going by so fast um how a parent can willingly choose to not be in their child's life is beyond me um it's so dark I can't I don't know. It's something it's really hard to wrap your head around, but like, that's why I love your story. And, you know, I love your TikTok because it really breaks it down um, kind of from all angles, you know, the narcissist and just all of the aspects of it. I think it's really important. Thank you. Well, that is, that is like, that is my goal. And I, I do, I really want to give people the inside look at it because you don't really see the patterns. You don't see the connections until you do and then you're like oh my gosh like when when the was physically abusive throughout the marriage and it wasn't until I looked back over my like my court case that I realized like oh my gosh this little man was abusing me every single time I got out of the hospital so he was abusing me while I was at my weakest and this is what they do so when you and this is why men that commit domestic violence happens a lot when you're pregnant why because you're at your weakest so this is a pattern you know if if a man has the ability to abuse you and to use you and to and to at your lowest to kick the shit out of you at your lowest Mm -hmm. when you have their kids it's like this man obviously is just can't be does not have a soul and I know this is so hard for us to believe that we could even be in love with a person like this, but you got to get out of that thought process. If a person is doing all this stuff to you, that's why they're doing it. Like, I don't know. I know for me, I felt like I had so much empathy that I'm, you know, like just saying, Oh my gosh, he had a rough childhood or I'm just excusing away all of his behavior. When the reality is, no, he never liked you. He hated you. You might have been showing him love and all that, but regardless, I, you know, probably wants to have a uterus. He's mad at the fact that he doesn't have a vulva. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Right. No, um, and, and so, ladies, you know, literally, guys, if, if someone will 
treat you like that, they can kill you and it can be accidental. And it's really important, you know, as soon as you do start seeing signs of abuse, just tell somebody, get help. The more people you tell, the more likely you are to get help faster too. But it, it is interesting to me, and this is all facts you guys can look up online that Keenan wants nothing to do with Cal. But I'm curious, I mean, all of the Nickelodeon kids stars have really kind of gone off the rails. Do you think he talks to any of them? I mean, do you think him and Amanda Bynes are texting? Uh, do you think he got this like way because of how he was raised? Or do you think it was a Nickelodeon set? I honestly don't know. I feel like he was probably like this already. Honestly, I just feel like he probably had the ability to be this person already. And think that this basically exacerbated something that was already inside of him. I'm trying to think. In one of my TikToks, I, um, actually, I'm trying to think. It was something that he did. I think it was for the Christian, the Christian, uh, his Christian um, talk that he was talking about suicide and all this stuff. Where he was like, he thought that he could just do whatever he wants to do. And I think that's where it comes down to. It's like these shows help to create little narcissists who believe that they can do whatever they want to do because they're acting like they're adults and they're making money and they're making more money than their parents made and they're famous. And so it helps the narcissist believe in themselves more. So it gives them everything that they that they need and that they want, that they love, fame and power and money. And they start to believe now that they are invincible and can do all of these things. And, um, and I think that's kind of like where it starts or what it helps. But I remember like Amanda Bynes, she was just, she was just a little, just a little girl. And she was and like, just like a lot of the girls on the show, the young girls on the show, they were hilarious and they were funny, um, but they were still kids. And so it's sad because, you know, the fact that you have these pedophiles and you have these different producers working with such impressionable kids who might have come from, you know, not very good upbringing. So Amanda Bynes came from a great, you know, seemed like a wonderful home, um, but Obviously, something was going on there. Um, when Amanda was younger, I didn't see anything or I didn't notice anything specifically. But um, you know, it's like they didn't even have a they didn't have a childhood. You know, they, they don't have, have a chance, really. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they they don't they don't get to be kids. It's like the time that they're kids, they're working like adults, like working harder than many adults, um, well, getting yelled at like adults too. And I just want to say, like, the fact that Amanda Bynes is in a conservatorship or was allegedly is out of her conservatorship, okay, um, because she's throwing bongs out windows, uh, what, you've got Cal Mitchell out here singing in tongues with a Spanish accent, and he's not in a conservatorship, like, riddle me that, Batman, because he's a man, he doesn't need to have his finances taken away. True, true, true. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and that's, when Amanda Bynes, when I heard her first speak and uh, they were talking about like what's going on and she said that her father abused her, I believe that wholeheartedly. When I saw Amanda Bynes, her dad was the prominent one. He was always around her, you know, and if you know anything about abuse, you know that that's what, you know, coaches are always, mm -hmm. they like, they pick their favorite kids and they're around them. Amanda Bynes had a lot of other siblings. Um, I can't remember exactly how many there were, but it was more than her. And, um, you know, so she later retracted that and later said that's not what happened. But I wonder if she said that because 
she there was she was under conservatorship and her parents were in, you know what I mean like that's not a good look for the people that are now handling all of your money and all of your affairs exactly so, yeah and I just want that, people to sit with that thought like if you're trying to criticize us talking about you know Kel's you know possible mental state out here look at what you've done to Britney Spears look at what you've done to Amanda Bynes for their you know mental health breakdowns absolutely absolutely it's pretty intense to be a woman (laughs) it's pretty intense absolutely oh absolutely absolutely yeah and um even when I was on the show I had producer ask me to put my tits in his mouth on multiple occasions even while I was pregnant um I've had producers say the most craziest things I've ever and um, this time I was just, just turned 18. So I was a very, very young. They're in their 30s and 40s. And I've heard the most inappropriate, vulgar conversations at younger girls. I'm not going to name the ones that were on the show, but um, I've seen the cast members wash Dan Snyder's car in a bikini. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember. I don't know. Because the producers would always have all these cars. So I don't know whose car it was but um I know Dan Schneider was there watching some other people were watching and other people knew like adults knew that this stuff was going on we had when I was in Florida people had gotten us alcohol gotten fake IDs and this had been going on um I know that they had gotten cell strippers and prostitutes and they even participated in it themselves so this is kids with strippers and prostitutes that are adults and adults um so you know and that happened in Florida that that also those things also happened in LA you know and all these child stars are like oh my god what's going on with these child stars well um kids too and you gave them money and you gave them access to all these different things and at the same time because you're giving them all this they are being groomed they're being sexually abused and everybody knows this and then once you get sexually abused by one producer, you know, you get passed around and everybody knows this and everybody talks about it. I remember hearing a conversation of producers, a producer was saying something like, oh, yes, she had the best head. And they were talking about a cast member on the show that was a child, a child. That's so revolting. So, I'm, and I wish I could say I'm surprised, but like, I'm not surprised because, okay, do you remember Cousin Skeeter? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So Jason Handy, he was a production assistant. He had gotten email addresses and phone numbers of young girls um, from working on that show. He preyed on a nine-year-old in person, like so fucking creepy. He ended up going to jail for it. Um, he worked on Cousin Skeeter, the Amanda show, and he was finally arrested for like luring a boy to set. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Makes sense because they hide. They hide in plain sight. They use the same people over and over again, ir- irregardless, irregardless of what is happening. And I know some people are going to be like, I hate irregardless. It's not a word. It is a word. Okay. It's just not in the dictionary. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I know. It's like, yeah, this is what they do. This is what they do. Ugh, it's so this messed is up. What they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, this is what they do. And I, and I doubt Kel is talking to anybody. I think that Kel, and I thought these people were real people because Keenan was the, the godfather to my son. He's never talked to my son in life. Um, Nick was the goddaughter to my daughter. Never helped, never talked to. Nick Cannon. So I think, 
Nick Cannon, yeah. Never talks to my daughter, never helps, never asks a question. Cannon has never called me and talks about talks to me about anything. It's like one Kel was like, Oh, I'm done with her. She did XYZ, I guess. And everyone's just like, screw her and the kids, they don't care. Um I I just had so many friends. You're talking about my friends like Megan Good, like I was friends with so many people who I thought were my real true friends who I like, you know. But no, the reality is, is that, you know, sometimes people get into this industry and even though, because you have to think about this, these are just regular people that are famous. So they're just like regular people with human, you know, human beings, emotions and all of these things. And then they get fame and people know who they are. And now they are celebrities and have to do the celebrity life thing. And it's kind of like, hmm. I don't remember, like, even, even when, um, trying to think, I had birthday parties for Kel, like, I had a birthday party, surprise birthday party for Kel at 20 years old with my own money in Los Angeles, and I had another one in Chicago, like, he had no idea, it was a surprise party, and I remember calling up everybody, like, Nick and all these other people, and saying, hey, you want to go, you want to go, and so people were kind of hesitant, because it was kind of like, everybody knew that he had just said that he wasn't going to be on the show anymore, so everybody was kind of like, you know, going their own ways. But they knew that, like, uh, he wasn't going to be making as much money. He wasn't going to be a famous, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, once you're in Hollywood, you kind of know, like, who's doing the next project, what they're working on, et cetera, et cetera. And as as long as you're up in, in this industry and as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do, then everybody's your friend. But, like, when you see, like, Britney Spears going crazy and you see Amanda Bynes going crazy, she, they probably had absolutely nobody to talk to. Like, not anybody. Yeah. Because once once you're down everybody like tries to just get away from you and mm-hmm. for um what's his, and keep orlando, you down i'm sure yeah 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 they do like orlando like people talk so much stuff about orlando but you gotta believe people when they're coming out and when they're telling you this and if they switch their story you gotta figure out why would they do that like what would be the purpose and obviously you know it's because they don't have any money these people are tying up their money they don't have access to it and you just get worn down because so many times I wanted to just get worn down and just say forget it and just say but like I could not I couldn't I I I don't have it I don't know I don't have that and like inside my body even when I knew all the stuff that Kel was doing was wrong and I would stay safe and I would smile to try to have my kids have some sort of a childhood like I would invite Kel to stuff I would invite his wife to stuff I had a graduation dinner I invited everybody I would send Kel pictures like even though all this other stuff was happening in the background, I still did the, my part as much as I could. And I bit my tongue and I didn't even talk about it as much as I could for years. And um, that's what people do to just get through life. But, you know, it's no. a lot. It, yeah, it gets yeah, to a point a where you can't keep that shit a secret anymore. I mean, and that's what we're seeing happen with these women. And I'm here for it. I feel that, you know, from Brittany to Jeanette to you, it's like this final girl energy that I feel like all women are kind of like in tune to right now. But especially, especially if you're going through any kind of domestic situation or have been through that, I think um, everybody definitely go follow Taisha Hampton on TikTok, but give them your TikTok handle. So my TikTok handle is kind of crazy, so I apologize. But it is Dead Beats, D E A 
D-B-E-A-T-S underscore A-S-M-R underscore laws. Um, and so I do, I talk a lot about deadbeats. I actually love ASMR, if you're familiar with that, it's kind of, I don't know, they call it whisper talk. Yes. Um, it's just very relaxing, but it's not so relaxing to me. So I got into that actually looking at TikTok. And, um, and then I'm also into laws. Like I'm all about, you know, just taking the law into your own hands, making sure that you are represented your constitutional rights like I'm all about that so that's kind of what the idea of my TikToks and some of my lives are about because I feel like you know I don't want to be too heavy and some people are like well just make it a niche and just talk about deadbeats like I don't want to talk about deadbeats all day long I don't want to do that (laughs) right (laughs) I want to you got to know how to fight them so that's where the laws come in you got to know how to relax and that's where the ASMR comes in um, yeah, because it's so, so it really is stressful. It is because um, you are reliving so much trauma to be able to go through this and help other people. And that's I really think that's really commendable. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on your show. And uh, yeah, anytime if you want to talk about some more things or maybe your viewers have any more questions they want to ask specifically, I would love to come back on and answer any questions that I can answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. Of course. All right, girl. Um, I'm going to stop the recording and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Well, you have a good evening. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. I know that like over the weekend, Dan Schneider, the guy who created uh, all that and Good Burger and all that stuff, he he got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, at man. the Kids Choice Awards. Yeah. Well, I heard that everyone was kind of pissed that um, Keenan Thompson <laughs> didn't show up in person. He just made a video. Is that true? Um, I don't know if they were pissed. I mean, I kind of knew that he probably wouldn't be there. Or maybe they felt kind of dissed, yeah. I should say. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I, I knew he wouldn't be there because of the fact that Saturday Night Live films on Saturday. Yeah. You uh, know what I mean? <laughs> so that makes sense. I figured he probably wouldn't be there. Did no. anyone bring this up to him when he made the video that he was like, not mentioning you at all was that was that brought to his attention um no i don't think so i mean i don't know i haven't talked to him in a long time you don't think the producers said like hey you're not talking about (laughs) not talking about kill i don't know you know what's funny what's funny is that actually when i read the rehearsal uh on the day it actually said that he was going to introduce me and then when i saw it that he didn't i was like oh okay but it's all good oh, so you, you were know? walking into it thinking oh finally i'm gonna get some yeah, recognition you know, here yeah because we've been hearing all this stuff so i'm like finally we get to sit down have a round table get to talk you know because that's my thing like let's sit down talk yeah. about what's really going on all this stuff i'm hearing but you know hey i mean it's all good man i'm not sitting here thinking like hey how does keenan feel about me I'm still and no one came thing. up to you after and said hey sorry that he didn't actually no, introduce you no not at all i mean we were excited just to be all together i mean chill with ariana and all those guys and drake and josh and just hanging out with dan man that was what it was all about yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah i just don't get it i mean you know he's doing yeah. well but it's not like he's out there winning academy awards or something <laughs> like i don't know why he's trying so hard to put this in the past <laughs> i don't i don't know when man. was the last time that you spoke to him um it was like i want to say oh seven oh eight yeah what and was it, was it his, like it was his birthday yeah uh he didn't know i was uh actually coming actually <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he didn't know I was coming. Oh, even back then? Yeah, a publicist <laughs> invited me there. We hung out, though. We hung out, had a good time, had a good conversation. So 
it's kind of weird hearing all this stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then after yeah. that, it was just you can't get in contact with them. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no contact. Are you even Facebook friends or anything like that? <laughs> no. no, no Facebook friends, man, none of that. <laughs> I hope things work out between you two. I'm sure the fans would like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, hey, for the fans, man, hey, look, let me talk to Kenny. Hey, if there's any beef or anything out there like that, man, let it go, brother. It's all good, man. Let it, let it go. It's okay. Yeah, maybe we have I'm a, good. Let's have a reunion on SNL. Let's go. <laughs> Hey, that'll be cool, man. That'll be cool. And if not, it's all good. Hey, we had fun. No right. doubt. Thank you, Kel. <laughs> yeah. Good no to doubt. see you. Pleasure, man. <laughs>